I'm Jock Wilson. And I'm Dave Rowe. And this is the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. It's a look past the end zones and behind the scenes of your Calgary Stampeders. I tell you what, Dave, today we're going to go way behind the scenes, all the way to the equipment room to tell the story of George Hopkins. How long has George Hopkins been here with his football club? A long time. A long time. 47 years of outfitting Calgary Stampeder players. Put that into perspective. 47 years? Heck, I'm only 56. He's been doing this for a long, long time, and he, he has seen it all. He's seen the good, the bad. He has seen the ugly. And I'll tell you this, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, he is not. I had a chance to talk with George about how it all started and what it is that keeps him going after all these years. So what did you originally want to be when you grew up, and where did it all go sideways? Um, actually, believe it or not, I was going to be uh, a history professor, so and it went sideways. Uh, but a day before my 18th birthday, when they fired the equipment manager that had been hired to replace the one that they'd fired the year before, that I was brought back to train. So, um, and uh, it was one of those where I went in to see Jack Goda the next day and said, "You need an equipment manager, and I need a full-time job, or I'm going to school in September." So, your choice. So he took a big leap. Um, I mean, not many guys nowadays would hire an 18-year-old kid. But I'd been working here five years. I kind of knew what was going on. And I actually had him in a kind of had him by the short and curly, so he didn't have a lot of choice at that point in time. But it all worked <laughs> out pretty good. Always good to be negotiating from a position of strength. At the time, how, you know, what, like, yeah. what did you think? How long, how long were you going to keep this going? I, I don't know. I was going to, you know, honestly, I still kind of thought I might go back to school because... Um, I had that hankering that I wanted to teach, um, and realistically, I, I thought, hey, I'll do this until it's not fun anymore, and I'm, I'm still doing it because it's fun. <laughs> that is a, that the, hey, that's a, they always say you're not going to work if it's, a, if it's that much fun. What, what do you enjoy the most about it? Um, it, it it's kind of different from the standpoint of every day looks like it's going to be the same, but every day is totally different, and that's what I do like about it. I get to interact with a whole bunch of unique individuals, some a little more unique than others. Um, but you're never really sure. I mean, just because you're on the field from this time to that time, that part of it's the same. You're getting ready to go on a trip, that kind. But, I mean, everything's different. Everything can change in a moment's notice. Quite often does. Um, and it's, it's, it's just it's unique from that standpoint. So probably the only thing close to it would be being a soldier and nobody shooting at me. So that's okay. That's always a win too. I mean, it's a, yeah. you think of any like any real crazy situations you've had to deal with with the with the guy's gear, or I mean, a lot of it is just like the last second, having to do stuff on the fly. You know, when you've got two downs to get a guy back in the game. Yeah, I mean, thankfully the stuff doesn't break as often as it used to because it's got better. Um, and it, it is always that stuff that happens right at the spur of the moment that you've you got to be calm, you got to be collected on the whole thing, you got to add a little bit every so often. Um, but I mean, compared to my second road trip ever, we go into Montreal, and the truck shows up at the big old dressing room, and I've got 400 pounds of lobster, and my gear's in Newfoundland. 
that kind of everything else after that's pretty easy. Yeah, no doubt. It's like so. How do you make a football helmet out of a lobster? It was a little tough, but we did have we did cancel pregame meal that night and had a lobster fest. <laughs> so, so that part was good. It's the, the thinking back uh, over the years, like some of the some of the personalities that you've had to deal with, but specifically like with with your job, who have been some of the guys that were just the most finicky about their stuff? The guys who would just drive you nuts? Uh, kickers, um, without any hesitation. Um, some are more finicky than others. Um, our two right now are pretty easy to get along with. Um, once you realize that Maver is OCD, it's fine, you know. <laughs> but um, but just little nuances of what they want more often than not. Um, offensive linemen, by and large, tend to be very neat, organized, and you don't have to worry too much about them. Um, but yeah, there's there's always somebody that wants something done, something different. And we try and accommodate them as best we can. But, yeah, without a doubt, from when I first started here, kickers are the most unique individuals that we have. Who was the biggest slob that you had to uh, turn around and perhaps learn the error of his ways? Um, the really bad ones you, you don't change, you just put up with. Um, and I'm not going to specifically say who it is because he's still around. But uh, it's kind of like I, I learned in this job, it's much like parenting. You pick your battles, what you're going to win, what you're not. Yeah. And uh, you have a certain stature inside that room just because you, you've been around so long and just because you know what you do is, uh, is important uh, to the players. I mean, and every now and then, as you always say, a rookie should be seen and not heard. Some guy's going to come along who doesn't know you know what your your status in the locker room is and you're usually not the guy that that, that has to do the teaching the players take care of that pretty much yeah uh, it, it's kind of funny actually um, when I ended up going up onto uh, the wall of fame it, it's quite often you'll get uh, veterans taking rookies outside or coaches taking rookies outside pointing up at the name and say don't f with him and that pretty well takes care of it I don't really have to say much anymore I mean, well, that's like, yeah, we're standing over here and we're looking over there at the uh, at the name right next to Sig. And what did, what did that night mean to you? Uh, it, was, it was nice. I mean, it was the one thing I wanted to get across to people right from the get-go when it was announced was I was not retiring because that was, you know, the sentiment seemed to be, oh, that's a nice way to send George off. Um, but it, it was just a nice recognition of a lot of time and love spent in this organization. And, and to get some of it back was really nice. And uh, well, you say you're going to keep doing this, uh, you know, for a while. About uh, how do you how do you keep it fresh though? With uh, you know, I mean, it's you know the equipment, it's the loadout, it's it's the load in, and yeah. and I mean, and as different as personalities can be, like after a while, maybe even they seem the same. You know, what do you do to keep it fresh? Uh, I just smile a lot. I find that's the easiest way to do it. If you just enjoy each day, it it takes care of itself. And then ninety percent of the time, I do enjoy each day. And you talked a little bit about uh, equipment through the years and sort of how much how much better it's gotten. I mean, this is this might sound like a bit of a crazy question, but did you have like you know I, I'm thinking giant eighty shoulder pads? But uh, is there you know any of the old equipment that you that you really miss just because it was so cool? Uh, no, <laughs> no, honestly, no. Um, I mean, when I took over as the head guy and I inherited an equipment room full of suspension helmets that the idea behind that helmet hadn't changed since 1945. So I thoroughly enjoy um, the changes that, that take place with the technology and everything each year. Keeps you on your toes um, and more importantly it keeps these guys safe. Yeah I mean and that is again an underappreciated part of your job just like the fact that 
you're the guy making sure all that equipment is is set to go. Sort of, how much responsibility do you feel personally for these guys when they're out there? Um, providing that they do what we ask them to do and wear what we ask them to wear, um, I feel a great deal of responsibility for it. It's when the idiots go out and alter things that I'm not too worried about it. But we've got a pretty good group of guys, um, and by and large, um, we take care of them very well, and it shows on the field. I'm thinking specifically of a guy whose name rhymes with John Cornish, who had problems doing his helmet up. Um, he had a lot of help from other people taking it off, though. <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave it at that one. Fair enough. Uh, you know, it's uh, the, the other thing I got to talk about is is the shorts. I mean, like I am, I'm pretty I'm pretty tough with the shorts when it comes to keeping the shorts on through the weather. But you keep it going all year long, regardless of the weather. Although I notice that the boots and socks are starting to creep up a little bit. Just sort of what is a what part of the Hopkins mystique is is the shorts in all weather? I just I really hate pants, you know, and that's um, I will admit that. Once I hit 55, I kind of went, well, you know, Camex actually are a nice fashion statement when it's minus 30. <laughs> so I'm still in the shorts. There is about five inches of skin exposed. Um, but more than anything, it's to keep my feet warm because I found that that, um, I've never had a problem keeping my lower extremities warm as, as long as I'm layered up top. But I'll be honest, as I get into the, the latter part of the 50s, the hands and feet do get cold. So I will take care of that, but I'll be in shorts forever. Yeah, you've had uh, a fair number of guys working under you that have come and gone. I mean, now you got you know guys like, uh, like, like Gordy around. Do you, yep. do you start to think about, uh, about passing the torch? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've said from the get-go, I'm going to do this till it's not fun anymore. Or I kind of realistically thought, you know, I, I'd like to put another 10 years in. So um, whether or not they'll have me for that long, we'll wait and see, and we'll see what happens around here. But that's kind of the, the thing. I, I would like to, at that point in time, um, maybe drop down and be the fourth in command and show up on game day and just hang around a little bit. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm still enjoying it. But uh, I will say right off the bat that the best thing I ever did hiring-wise was, was bring Gordy on board because it's, uh, it's made my job a lot easier. And, uh, hey, man, if it's up to me, I'll have you around for 10 more years. I'm good with that. Thank you very much. You know, it really is a remarkable story. When you look at George Hopkins and you look at his career, and I was lucky enough to get into this business back in 1982, and, of course, George Hopkins was there. And we can talk about, you know, the legend being on the field and just being an integral part of the Calgary Stampeders. What I find really interesting, Dave, is the fact that, you know, owners come and go, players come and go. But this guy has been a constant. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why fans identify with them, too. I mean, and in the, the West, we've got some real legends. You know, you've got George uh, with the Stampeders, mm-hmm. Dwayne Mandrusiak with the Eskimos. I mean, he's been around. Man, I mean, I, I covered the Eskimos back in the mid-'80s, and Dwayne Mandrusiak was their equipment by, guy back then. And you've got Cato uh, out in B.C. who's been around forever. And, of course, uh, Dwayne Mandrusiak and, and George also do a lot of work in the offseason for minor football in Alberta. They go around to all these minor football associations and work with these equipment guys who don't have their knowledge and their know-how and you know they help them with the maintenance and you know the upkeep and the certification of their equipment so you know they're uh, hey they're working on the next generation and and it's always an interesting question eh? if you, if you don't get into broadcasting what does Dave Rowe become if if I don't get into broadcasting what does Jock Wilson become and I thought that was a great way to uh, open the interview with uh, with George Hopkins I could have been a history professor <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I ever wanted to be a history professor I'll tell you that well you know I mean the guy could be a professor 
professor of like five decades of Calgary Stampeder history. I mean, well, Daryl Slade writes the book on the history, but I think exactly. he gets most of his stuff probably from George yeah, Hopkins. The, the oral history. I mean, and of course, uh, George, uh, with everything that he's seen, I'd like to I'd like to get some of these uh, stories out of George where there's uh, some actual names attached to him. But you know, you, you just talk about the stature he's held in. You know, he's on the wall of honor. You know, he's players. You know, drag rookies out and say, "Hey, look, you see that guy? His name's up there." You know, treat this guy with uh, with respect. Mm-hmm. I remember when Dave Dickinson retired, and he talked about one of his favorite memories as a as a player was after games as a Stampeder, just sort of hanging around. He says, "I'd be hanging around with like the trainers and the equipment guys, like George Hopkins. You know, just you know, having a beer and and talking about to, talking about the game, and and just to be such an integral part mm-hmm. of so many great Stampeder football teams. And uh, as I said in the opening, I mean, he's seen the the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> the uh, the Kevin Federick years. You know, getting oh. the Oh my goodness! <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah that was. We'll uh, have to save that for another issue. Oh, you know, that's some, that's some that, of the best and worst owners of the Calgary Stampede. That's about the Federick years. I think would be about ten <laughs> podcasts all in themselves, man. But hey, if we're talking about George, uh, there's one thing we have to talk about, and that is Black Betty Day. Oh, that's true. I'm I'm sure that play. You know, and and I'm not even sure Black Betty is still appropriately uh, a, a, a politically correct any anymore. But <laughs> but hey, it is for one day every year for the Calgary Stampede. When did he start that again? It was. Oh, Oh man, it, was, it seems like it's been as long as I've been covering oh. this team. But uh, it, it, you know what? What we're talking about, and there's so many the, different versions of the song. Yeah, you, you hear it alluded to, and what it is. This comes up uh, during training camp. One day during training camp, every year you show up. Uh, you show up at the stadium, and. Black Betty, the old song by Ram Jam from the 1970s, is uh, blasting through the speakers. And then it just keeps going and going and going. And he's got like five different versions of this. There's Mm -hmm. one by like Tom Jones, you know, and he's just got this on a loop. And it's kind of catchy at first and... Then it kind of burns its way into your brain, and by the end of Black Betty Day, well, you're pretty much done with Black you're, Betty Day for another done, year. You're done, without a doubt. I, I, I always love the fact that, you know, whenever you see a Hoppy, though, too, he's, he's always got the shorts on. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's only bucked that trend once or twice in his career, hasn't he? Yeah, and, you know, when, and, and he's consistent, too. I mean, he's only missed a handful of games in his career. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a torn rotator cuff that cost him a couple of games. That's right. Uh, he's had uh, some family, uh, you know, family matters, you know, weddings or whatever that have kept him out for a couple of other games but just week in and week out uh what other weather but like you said in the interview he's uh you know the the boots and the shorts are getting a little bit closer as uh as, as the age gets up there I, I wonder what it is about calgary because the trainers are legendary you yeah. know and, and you talk about bearcat murray that's a mm-hmm. legendary trainer that comes to mind and you know obviously equipment managers a little bit different than than a trainer but but bearcat murray sort of was you know the jack of all trades for the calgary flames which was uh, which kind of so so let me ask you this question if dave rowe wasn't a broadcaster, what would you be? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. I, That's funny. I don't even have history professor to fall back on. But <laughs> hey, speaking of history, one other George story I got to sneak in here. I didn't want to ask him about it because I think it's a, a little bit embarrassing for him. Back in 2007, they're playing Toronto and uh, there was a big melee over by the Stampeder sidelines. And uh, I think it was an interception. And, the, you know, there's a big tackle over by the Stampeder sidelines. And one of the Argos players starts stomping on one of the Calgary Stampeder players. And in comes this guy firing a water bottle and it's George Hopkins and George 
George got into a little bit of trouble with that with the team. They just said, yeah, we're dealing with that internally. Yes, I, I think what we really need to do is sit down with George Hopkins and uh, no hold barred and, and basically just open mic and, and he could really tell some stories about some of the players, but that'd probably get him. We'll have to wait till he retires and then we can do that podcast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we'll save great... that one for then. <laughs> well, speaking of podcasts, uh, that does it for another edition of the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please take a few minutes to rate it. Please leave a comment. If you really like it, uh, please tell a friend we have a new show and a new topic every single week and of course you can find us at all your favorite podcast locations apple podcast google play tune in and our website global news radio 770 cha